Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're, we're coming to the close of our series on uh, the Beatitudes. We're going to be going into some of Jesus' parables after this, some of his amazing teachings, uh, stories that were are great stories that we talk about and we teach to our children and we learned, in sun, learned about in Sunday school, those stories that uh, stuck with us. Uh, but they were not just stories, they were stories with a meaning, with a purpose. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning is a, a, a layman's definition of a parable. And uh, many of those are, are just awesome. Uh, many about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is like, what we're supposed to be like in service to the kingdom of God, and uh, how we're supposed to treat each other. And they're all set up by what we're talking about here uh, what we've been talking about for the last several months, the Beatitudes, Jesus' very first public teaching uh, in his three-year earthly ministry. Would you stand with me as we read <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1? When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You may be seated. We're on peacemakers. There's only one more after this that we're going to be covering, and that's blessed are those who are persecuted. Uh, I think Jesus intentionally leaves that one at the end because the first uh, number of Beatitudes build up to that because Jesus knows, knew and knows that this life is not an easy one to walk as a Christian. It's not an easy one to stand strong as a Christian. It's not an easy one to plant your flag and say, I'm a follower of Christ, come what may in today's day and age. But today we're talking about peacemakers, and we started talking about this last week. I want to give you just a little review before we wrap this message up. The term peacemaker that Jesus uses here is a word that literally means one who loves peace, one who loves peace. It's also a word used to describe those of us who actively proclaim God's word to, with the intent of bringing the listener to Jesus. So, not only are we to be peacemakers between us and others, we're to attempt to be peacemakers between other human beings and Jesus Christ. Our purpose, our role, our calling, our mission as followers of Jesus is to take his gospel, take his message to a world that is lost and dying and needs him. Matthew Henry said, peace is such a precious jewel that I would give anything for it but truth. We talked a lot about, um, you know, I had a little bit tongue-in-cheek last week. And didn't Jesus know the kind of people that we were going to have to interact with? There are people in your life that when you talk about peace and you talk about this person, those are just, that's like an oxymoron, right? Two words crushed together that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. But Jesus knew human nature, and he knew what it would take for some people to get past their biases, their prejudices, their own struggles to see him. And many times, now listen to this, Christian, many times what is necessary for people to get past themselves is you. It's you shining the light and the love of Jesus Christ so that others can see there is a better way. There are good people in the world. There are people that care. There are people that will go above and beyond what is normal just to see others uh, feel compassion, feel love, feel something. Now, we started last week by saying this, the goal of a peacemaker is to point people to Jesus. That is our goal. Our number one goal as peacemakers in this world for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom, is to point people to Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I told, I've told you these things so that, you may, you, so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Jesus wants us to 
live um, live in the world and among the world, not be part of, not not become the world, but to live among them and to shine the light of his love to others so that they might see him. I think many times today in our society, especially in our churches, we lose focus of that. We lose focus of what we're truly here for. We think we're here to stand for the right things. We're, we think we're here to make our uh, our opinions and make our political uh, beliefs known, and that's what godliness is. That's not what godliness is at all. Godliness is all about living the love of Jesus Christ so that the world can see him. Second thing we said is peacemakers know that to achieve peace, you must pursue peace. If you truly want peace with others, if it's a desire of your heart to bring people to Jesus or to, to, try, to, uh, to try to mend fences with others, then you must pursue that. And I think that's an incredibly difficult thing for us to accept as well. Because as we said earlier, there's a lot of people that just don't want peace. There's a lot of people that just don't want to hear it. We're going to talk about what to do about that here near the end of this sermon. Peace isn't free and it isn't easy. Peace doesn't come out of the easy bake oven. It's difficult and sometimes peace is messy. Sometimes peace only comes after great humility. Sometimes peace only comes after a great humbling of your own desires and your own passions and having to uh, just say, listen, whatever has happened has happened. Can we just start fresh and move on and try to make things work? Romans 14, 19 said this, so then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. This means you have to want to want peace. Peacemakers reach out a hand first. Peacemakers reach out a hand first. And a verse that I shared last week that is just powerful, Proverbs 17, 14, to start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. That's what the scripture says. So that brings us to number three, what peacemakers are. Peacemakers are bridge builders. Peacemakers are bridge builders. Jack Hiles said, the reward that outdoes all others is the peace of knowing that you did right. Now, that next to the last word there, man, there's a whole lot of words you can switch in there and change the entire meaning of it, right? You could put in there that you were right, you thought right, you, you, you thought you were right. That's not what the statement says, it says that you did right. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right because it's right to do. Do the right thing simply because it's right to do. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I fall back on that in my life. Why do I do some of the things I do? Because it's the right thing to do. Not because I want to do it. Not because there's any fame or glory. Not because it's going to be a great investment that brings a great financial return. Sometimes I simply have to do what I do because it's the right thing to do. And folks, if we want to build bridges between us and others for the purpose of reaching people for the kingdom of God, we have to understand that doing right is the right thing to do all the time. There's never a right time to do the wrong thing. And there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Peacemakers are bridge builders because they know that doing right is what it's all about. We're always to be building and pursuing peace without compromising truth or the scriptures. I think that's the rub today, isn't it? And that's the great struggle today doing the right thing because everybody has an opinion about what they think is right. And society, and even many Christian leaders today are jumping onto the, the bandwagon of society and changing what scripture truly has to say so that they can appear to be more uh, welcoming and can appear to be more societally friendly, I guess. 
But God's word never changes. It hasn't and it never will. And we can still stand on the word of God and still build bridges and be peacemakers. How does that look? It looks like you without the Bible in your hand smacking people over the head with it. It means you living the word instead of shouting the word at them. Living the word in front of them instead of beating them up with it. Sometimes, listen, Christian, I know we're Americans, man. We're Americans. We, we have our rights. We, you know, people died for our rights. People, uh, I served for it. I, I was in the army. Hey, I get it. I get it. Fourth of July is coming up. Wave the banner. I'll stand up and salute the flag. All that stuff. That's wonderful. But I'm a Christian before I'm an American. And my rights as an American do not trump the need of others to see Jesus. America will pass away, but God's word will not. America will pass away, but the needs of others to see Jesus and accept Jesus as their savior or they'll die and go to hell will never go away. Now, I believe we need to live in society. We've talked about this before. I believe we need to be good citizens. I believe we need to, to do the things that Jesus taught us to do as good citizens. But make sure you understand that the Bible teaches us that we are citizens of heaven first. And that is our goal. Our goal is an eternal home with Jesus. And our, uh, that's our destination. Our goal is to take as many people as possible with us by telling as many people as possible we can about Jesus. And sometimes the best way to tell them is to live the gospel in front of them. Peacemakers are unifiers and reuniters, not dividers. You'll never see in, in the word where Jesus tells us to divide others. He says, oh, my word will. My teachings will divide people, but it's not your job to divide. It's your job to try to bring people together. It's your job to try to connect people, to build a bridge, not a bridge to nowhere, a bridge to Jesus. That's our responsibility, to build a bridge to others. Man, how, do, how, how does that look? I don't know. We could sit down and chat about it. How does that look at your, at your job? How does that look in your home for those of you who live in split homes? How does that look among your family? For those of you who have family who don't know Jesus, for those of you who have family, hey, listen, we're not just called to reunite people, the, the lost with Jesus. We're, try, we're called to try to reunite our brothers and sisters who have walked away with Jesus. We live in that day and age now where Christians are falling away rapidly. And it's our calling to reunite people with Jesus and reunite them with their faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. This is what it truly means to be a peacemaker. It says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to, him, to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that part? He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus came into the world, what did the Bible say? What did Jesus say about himself? He said, I am the light of the world, right? Now he tells us, you are the light of the world. Remember he taught us in Matthew chapter five. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill can't be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, right? They light a lamp and put it on a stand so that it gives light to everybody in the house. Listen, man, your job as a Christian is to be the light. And being that light is the ministry of reconciliation. Paul tells us that Jesus gave to us the ministry of reconciling others to Jesus. That is, uh, at, at, let's see, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God, listen to this part, man, since God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal to the world, to the lost, to those who don't know him. He's making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God. We plead, we beg, we live, we sacrifice ourselves. Ooh, we even said, well, we'll get to, we'll get to some things we sacrifice. We're supposed to sacrifice. The question, I guess, is this: is building bridges more important to you than being right? 
is seeing other people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and missing hell and spending, spending eternity in heaven, is that more important to you than your rights as an American citizen? Listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating anything. What I'm saying is we need to put Jesus and our call for his kingdom first in our lives, above everything. If we could just understand and put into practice the teachings of this verse, I believe it would revolution our lives and our service to Jesus. And as I said, it's not just build, building bridges with those outside of faith. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind and compassionate to one another. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Look at the next phrase. Oh, is it on the screen? Oh, it's up there. We put it on the screen. Look at that. What does that say? The F-bomb. Right? For, ooh, what? Forgiving one another. The Christian F-bomb, okay? Forgiving. Wow, man. Wow. Because, you know, you know who Paul's talking to there? Us. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those of us in the church. Those people who are in churches that may have had disagreements with you and, and there was a less than amicable, amicable break. Look at that. Be kind and compassionate to those you feel are worthy of your kindness. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that out of the human version. Be kind and compassionate to one another. There is no qualification. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, and then he loads a little more wood on the fire, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So in other words, Jesus is our example of forgiveness. There is nothing, we, did we sing about that today? There's no shadow you won't light up. There's mount, no mountain you won't climb up. Coming up. There's no wall you won't kick, no lie you won't tear down, no wall you won't kick down coming after me. There's nothing you won't do. If I, if I go to the ends of the earth, if I go to the depths of the ocean, if I go as far away, if I take the wings of the morning, you are still there. Your love pursues me wherever I go. See, we're to be bridge builders, not just between us and the world, not just because between Jesus and the world, but between us here in church, How much more could we get done for the kingdom of God if as a church we were united with each other? We didn't come in here with our own agendas. We didn't decide that we're going to drive this bus and we're going to fight anybody who decides that they want to drive the bus other than us. That we're simply going to follow if we need to, forgive if we need to, but most importantly, we're truly going to love each other and try to mend fences or build bridges or just build a relationship. We have a lot of new people in our church. A lot of people have, have come uh, since COVID, since, you know, after COVID. A lot of new people in our church. As I, listen, when July 3rd comes up, be here, man. It's a good time. It's a good time. We hang out. We have fun. You can hang out until East Long Meadow has the fireworks that night. It's a good time. Get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got on, on July 16th, we're starting a, a couples uh, thing, couples uh, ministry. We'll get more information on that. It's going to be here at the church. Commit, commit to being, being there. It's being part of it to get to know some of the other, because the folks in this church, may just be the ones that help you through the most difficult times in your life. I know they've been there for me. Hey, listen, it's, it's not easy um, trying to build a family the way we're building a family. It's not easy. If anybody tells you it's easy, I, I love the people that tell me that we're in it for the money. Like, yeah, 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 that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Buying that vacation home in Puerto Rico. It's exactly, that's exactly what this is about. 
and I, and I told Aaron, I said, right now, I'm, I, I've, I've got to spend time, uh, we've got to spend more time praying with each other because I'm struggling with some things right now. I'm st- and you know what I'm struggling? I'm struggling with anger, wrath with these people. Because, man, you have no idea, unless you, listen, you have no idea, unless you've been in that situation, you have no idea what it's like. You have no idea what we have to put up with, the things we have to put up with. You don't, you don't, but our church, whether, whether you understand it or not, our church has been a rock for us. Our church has been a, a source of strength and comfort and love. I can't tell you how much I love the way our church has loved on our kids. From, from, with, from Gabriel and Michael for nine years, uh, dealing with those boys, holy cow. To now these three cherubs that have come to join the family. You've loved on them. And I love when, when my, my daughter Autumn says, Dad, I love our church. She told me that this week. She says, I love our church. You know, she told me, she says, I love you being my pastor. I'm like, ah, there you go. That's good to hear. Glad to hear that one. Glad to know. You don't really have a choice there. Folks, that's what, that's what this place is about in our relationships. Being there for each other, loving on each other, lifting each other up, celebrating with each other, right? Fellowshipping with each other. Doing what we can to help each other down this road of life and ministry. In order to be our most effective, we must build bridges in our church family and the greater church community. Psalm 133, one through three says, how delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of, uh, mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. We're gonna spend eternity with each other. Need to learn how to get along right now. Romans 14, 13, therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let's, let's read that again. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, desi- decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Man, that's a mouthful there. That's a, that's a lifetime of learning and, and, and experiencing and pouring into others and working with each other and getting along with each other's with, with each other. Man, that's a lot. But that's what we are supposed to be doing here, building bridges in the church. And not just in this church. Now, I know some of you, uh, you know, you, your theology might be all local church, right? It's all local church. And the universal church is not, uh, I, I know I, I went to college where my, some of my professors in college didn't believe in universal church. They believed in the universal body of Christ. It's the same thing. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build, I will build my first Baptist church of Jerusalem. He said, I will build my church, the body of believers. That's all we're saying is that we as a body of believers universally are called out ones for a purpose. And that purpose is to build the kingdom of God. So we are not only called to build bridges between us in this church, we're called to build bridges and work together with other churches. I know that's not easy. I know some churches don't want that, but I'm here to tell you that at New Life, we don't just believe in the ministry of New Life, We believe in the ministry of every church that proclaims the message of Jesus Christ. Whether whether it's different denominations, whether it's different uh, languages, whether it's different uh, shades of melanin in the skin, whatever it is, we believe in working together with like-minded believers for the kingdom of God. Aaron and I were shopping the other day at a, a price right in West Springfield. And as we were walking, Aaron was looking for um, some, some uh, metal 
paper plates. I'm sorry. She was looking for paper plates. And she asked the woman, and the woman tried to point it, you know, tried to help her out with it. Well, then I was looking for something else, and I started having a conversation with this same woman, not knowing that we that she had been talking with Aaron, and it got into a church conversation. And this woman just loves her church, and she's devoted to her church. She was telling us about the, the picnic that's coming up and how she tells her pastor that they call him a bishop in that church, how... Um, She's got all the stuff. She's bought all the, all the plasticware and all the plates. And she, and, and she said, Pastor, you just need to tell people to bring food now, right? And, uh, and here comes Aaron. And she calls out to him, I found him, I found him. And then Aaron sees me with her. And so the three of us started talking. And now the one thing I've left out is she was a woman of color. Aaron came over to talk with her. And this, the conversation was so sweet. Now listen to this, man. Aaron leaned over and gave this woman a big Eric bear hug, okay? Gave her a big hug. And this woman teared up and started to cry. And she was so thankful that other Christians were of the same mind and, and she had an opportunity to share the, the, not share her faith, share her passion. And that there were others that felt the same way. So we get out to the parking lot and we're loading our groceries in and, and she's over at her car and she called Aaron over. She had, uh, there, there was a stop and shop, I guess, on Cooley was giving away um, all the hand sanitizer they had left. And they, they knew that she was giving it to different churches, so they donated it to her. And she gave us like five, six bottles of hand sanitizer. You, say, you may say, well, it's just hand sanitizer. You know what? There are people that wouldn't come to church without hand sanitizer. So if that's going to help us out, and that's churches working together. That's sharing the blessings of God with other churches. It's just a simple thing like sharing hand sanitizer. Folks, that's a first step. That's a first brick. That's a first girder in a bridge between churches. Those are the kind of things we need to do. Now, we do try to build bridges we do try to reach out. We do. It is our purpose. It is our goal. It is our mission to reconcile. But let me be honest, and we all need to be honest, because sometimes we talk about pie-in-the-sky things, and the practicality is kind of lost in the, in the mission. We need to understand this. Peacemakers often fail. Anybody, anybody confident enough to raise your hand and say, I've failed at making peace with people before? I've tried, I've tried, but I've failed at making peace. I have, I have failed at making peace with people before. No matter what my efforts were, I've failed. Peacemakers often fail, but true peacemakers don't quit. True peacemakers do not quit. We don't give up. Jack Wellman said, no one can have the peace of God until they are at peace with God. Sometimes, folks, you're trying to build a bridge to people who don't want a bridge built to them. They're not ready to be at peace with God. And listen, it's through no fault of their own. Sometimes. Sometimes the life they've been given, the hand they've been dealt, is so horrible that they can't see how a good God would allow that to happen to anyone. Can I get an amen? Absolutely, man. We don't give up. We continue to show love to them. Like I said, today, Father's Day, I, I told Aaron today, and I've, I've, as, as I've mentored Zach in ministry, I've told Zach, I said Father's Day is the worst attended day of the year at church. Is it, a lot of fathers don't go to church, so they do something, their families take them somewhere. A lot of people just don't go to church because they don't want to celebrate the father they were given. I get it. I get it. I'd be naive and foolish if I didn't. But that doesn't mean, first of all, it doesn't mean that I don't have to celebrate, that, that I shouldn't celebrate my father. Secondly, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be the best father I can possibly be. Thirdly, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be the best father figure to others. And fourthly, it doesn't mean that I should stop reaching out to people just because they're not at peace with God yet. 
because they cannot have peace with God, with, with us, or even with themselves until they are at peace with God. See, that's the problem so many, that's the struggle so many people have today. They're searching for everything. They turn to this, they turn to that, they turn to everything. They turn to substances, they turn to activities, they turn, they, they turn to fake love, they turn to all these kind of things, and they won't find satisfaction or peace there because God is not in it. Until they're at peace with God, they'll never be at peace with themselves. Peacemakers do not ignore tough choices or necessary confrontations. What's at stake is far too important to do so. We have those confrontations when they're needed. We make those tough choices when they're necessary. Matthew Matthew 5 verses 23 and 24 tell us, so if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, notice the phrasing that Jesus uses there. He doesn't say, so if you're offering your gift on the altar and you notice that you have something against your brother and sister, right? He says, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Remember what we said back earlier, a verse we used last week, as much as is within you, live at peace with everybody. Listen, man, this is a heavy load to carry, right? No doubt about it. This is a heavy load. Why? Because it puts the onus on us. It puts the responsibility on us. It puts the pressure on us as followers of Jesus. But remember, he said, if you're a peace, if you can be a true peacemaker, you can honestly be called my child. Because my entire mission was to bring peace to the world. Peace, not to, not to the world societally, but to bring peace to the human heart. That's my mission. That that was my mission. That was my plan. That's what I died for. So if you can pick up that mission, and if you can desire to be a peacemaker between me and them, then you can truly say you have picked up the flag of my kingdom and carried it into battle. Goes on to say, if you remember that that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come again and offer your gift. Jesus, like, remember, remember what, uh, what was said to King Saul? Obedience is better than sacrifice. What Jesus is saying here is peace between brothers and sisters in Christ is more important than your sacrifice. Sometimes we try to buy peace in our lives for giving more, doing more without trying to reconcile with brothers and sisters. Without trying to bring peace in the lives of others and peace in our own life. And we think that the more we do will make up for the lack of peace. I'm telling you, it won't happen. You're always going to be in turmoil in those areas or with those people because you you refuse to work for peace. Peacemakers pass their faith along. Not only to other brothers and sisters in Christ, peacemakers pass their faith along to their children and they raise the next generation of peacemakers. What are you passing along to your children when it comes to making peace between you and others, between you and God? Peacemakers in your church. What conversations do your children hear at home? That's a question, huh? What conversations do your children hear about people in your church at home? That's a big question. Lastly, or number five, peacemakers go the distance and willingly pay the price for peace. They willingly pay the price for peace. A verse that has always rattled my cage. Luke 6, 29. If anyone hits you on the cheek, grab them by the throat and slap them silly. Right? That's, hey man, gotta be honest. That's, that's the human John. Seriously. Nope. Jesus said, if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And if anyone takes away your coat, 
don't hold back your shirt either. And I don't believe Jesus was telling us to walk around naked and bruised. I think what Jesus was saying to us is this. Be willing to go the extra mile to bring peace to others. Be willing to sacrifice of yourself and your own and your, your things and your blessings so that we can have peace. Because remember, peace reconciles others to Jesus Christ. A lesson that I've had to learn, and it's a t man, it's a tough lesson, especially I love my dad to death. I love my father, and I love the way he raised me. My dad raised me, and listen, with no apologies at all, with no qualifications, with no disclaimers, with no quotation marks, my dad raised me to be a man. He raised me to be a man's man. He only had two choices, right? Man or woman. It's the only two choices there are. And since I was born a man, a, a boy, a male, my dad raised me as a man, to be a man. And he raised me to take up the responsibility of being a man and to live as a man, to take care of my family, protect my family as a man. And it's very difficult sometimes for me to realize that there are times when I need to lay aside my first instincts as a man and realize that there is a better choice, a better way. For a long time as a young man, I didn't get that. And my first response was to, <laughs> was to stand strong, okay? I love the verse, quit like... Be a man. Quit like men. Be strong. Yeah, but remember Jesus is the one that told Peter, put away your sword. Listen, Peter, if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions of angels right now and destroy the world. Remember, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But he died alone for you and me. And as a man, sometimes, and I'm, hey, some of you moms, you got the, the mom claws out, right? Sometimes you have to put those away and say, there's a better way to protect my family. There's a better way to handle this matter. And I, I got to be honest, I'm still learning that better way. It's tough, but I'm still learning that better way. And I think we all can continue to learn that better way. And this is the lesson I've learned that I'm trying to remember. You're never called to be the hammer of God. You're never called to be the hammer. Hey, listen, I'd love to be. <laughs> I'd love to be. If there is a job that Jesus is looking for for his kingdom on earth called be the hammer of God, <laughs> boom, where can I fill out the application? But there's not. And he's never called us to be the hammer of God. He's never called us to win the argument. You understand that, right? You're never called to win the argument. But you are, all call but you are called to be a peacemaker. You are called. Tough lessons. Tough, tough lessons. It's tough to learn. It's tough to remember. And it's especially tough to practice. And... I, don't, I just point both hands back this way because that is all over me, all over me. Man, I have to, I, I'm, first of all, I'm a chase and we just know the buttons to push. We do, we do, we know the buttons to push. But folks, we're called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers go the distance and willingly pay the price. Peacemaking requires personal sacrifice. Guess what some things are that we're called to sacrifice? We're called to sacrifice our ego. We're called to sacrifice our ego. We're called to sacrifice our will. Remember what Jesus said to the Father? Lord, if it's your will, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But Father, not your will, but not my will, but yours be done. How many times can we honestly say, that we look at a situation, a relationship with others, a peacemaking opportunity and say, okay, God, it's not my will, but yours be done. 
oh, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to allow his will to win. And you know what else we're called to sacrifice? Our anger. I believe with all my heart, Christian. Listen, I'm, I'm not making light of this stuff. I want you to know, I'm not making light of this stuff. I know what it's like to live as a human being. I know what it's like to be a dad. I've got eight kids, man. I know what it's like to be angry with people who have hurt your children. I know what it's like to be angry with people who have, who have attacked what I hold dear. I get that. I understand that. But I also know that when I chose to follow Jesus, I gave up my right to have my own anger. And I gave up my right to handle things my way because I committed to following, to follow him. And I know that that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. But I'll tell you what else I know, and it's been the theme running through this entire message. What I know is this, the vast majority of our community, we live in the least evangelized metropolitan area of the country. The vast majority of our community is lost and dying and on their way to hell. And did you know that I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee you that the numbers are well over 50% of people in our region, in the Springfield metro area, Springfield Holyoke metropolitan area, it's well over 50% of people that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation. And we're busy, worry, we're, we're busy worrying about who's going to win a school board election. My folks... We've got, to pull, we've got to put ourselves aside. There are people called to stand up for us and to live their faith in the political universe. We support those people. We support them. We pray for them because they're on the battle lines of things that we can't quite imagine. But then the rest of us are called to live Jesus Christ in our local community, in our neighborhood, with our neighbors, with the people at work. And that means we need to be willingly, willing to sacrifice things that we, tools that we may want to use to win those arguments. Lastly, and here's the caveat in all of this. I remember when I was, we were covering one of the, one of the Beatitudes and Lori came up to, Lori and Karen came up to me and, and asked a question. Remember that? They came up and asked the question, well, what about this? And I said, we're going to cover that next week, okay? And it was, if you're, if you're going to do your best, what about this? If people don't want to reconcile, if people don't want, what do you do? And we covered that, remember? Well, now here we are. What about people who don't want peace, who truly do not want peace in their life and don't want peace with you and don't want peace with Jesus? They don't want peace with God at all. What about those people? Wise peacemakers know when to walk away. Let me tell you, folks, wise peacemakers know when to walk away. I believe this is one of the most important principles that you will learn as a follower of Jesus. It kind of sounds like I'm twisting myself back around on myself, doesn't it? But I'm not. Because Jesus tells us not to cast our pearls before swine. And I'm not calling people pigs, don't get me wrong. Don't throw good money after bad. Don't waste your time with people who don't want, who have made it very clear that they do not want what you have. Thomas Fuller said it is madness for sheep to talk peace with a wolf. It is madness for sheep to talk peace with a wolf. Matthew 10 12 through 14 gives us this principle. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. This is a teaching from Jesus. If they're unworthy, in other words, if they don't want it, if they're not going to accept it, if they're not open to it, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, listen to this, man. This is so tough because we pride ourselves in staying on. Uh, it's it, it's going it, to, I don't know how long it's going to take, 
but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convert this person. While you're spending those 25 years trying to convert this person who's, who, who has no desire for it, how many people are we missing? How many opportunities are we missing? He says, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave that house or town. Shake the dust off your feet. Brush your feet off, brush the dust off, and move on to the next house. Move on to the next town. Move on to the next person. You've got to know when to say when. Listen, there's always an opportunity to come back. What did Jesus say? What what did Paul say? One plants, one waters, God gives the increase. You do not have to be the person that converts that person to Jesus Christ. You're just called to simply either plant the seed or water it. They'll come to Christ when they, when they come to Christ in his time. True peacemakers understand this. They cannot make anyone change. They cannot make anyone change. Man, that is a hard lesson to learn. You can't make anyone change. Even Jesus didn't convert everyone. Remember John chapter 6, verses 66 through 68? Jesus gave his, uh, his speech on, on, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have none of me. Very difficult saying for these people to understand. John 6, 6, verses 66 through 68 say, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of life. Where are we going to go? Folks, that's one thing we need to determine in ourselves right now. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. I am not moving. I am not going anywhere. I am here to serve God as long as he needs me to as long as he wants me to, as long as he puts a call on my life, I'm here to serve God. Period, point blank, that's it. I'm here to stand on the word of God, not to vacillate, not to look for twisted scriptures that can validate the sin of this world, to stand on the truth of the scriptures, come what may. So I need to determine that I'm going to stand here first, And I'm not going to walk away. And we need to convince, we we need to to let ourselves know that we're not going anywhere. But that we're going to be here when people need to hear about Jesus. Fact of the matter is, though, you need to know when enough is enough and to move on to the next person. Remember, you may plant And you may water, but God gives the increase. All that we can do is use the tools at our disposal, understanding, building common ground with others. I think that is, honestly, I think that's one of the most powerful tools we have in in our tool chest, finding common ground with other people. It's a lost art right now. Finding common, we are so divided as a nation, so divided as churches, so divided as people. Finding common ground is a lost art, but we still have to work at it. Find commonality. Listen, I I know I'm not a fool. I know there's a whole bunch of people today that are mocking Juneteenth. And yet here I am talking about it today, saying happy Juneteenth, celebrate it. You know what? I, 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 I want to. I want to understand. I want to understand what that means to, to those who, are, who, who were most affected and what that should mean to me as an American citizen. And beyond that, what that should mean to me as a Christian, as a child of God, that should mean something to me. That the nation that I say, when I, when I pledge allegiance, I say one nation under God, really wasn't a nation under God for everybody for a long time. I need to understand why, or try to, try to grasp the enormity of that. When I do that, maybe, just maybe, I can find common ground with people. 
I need to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. And always leave the opportunity for peace talks open. Always leave. Listen, I can walk away. I can move on to somebody else. But the door is always open to sit down, have a cup of coffee, and talk and try to build bridges, and try to mend fences, and try to bring peace in the midst of turmoil. Jesus said, you'll be happy if you're a peacemaker. Why? Because you'll understand what it truly means to be my child. You'll understand what it truly means to be called a child of God. Because your desire is to go beyond yourself, to go beyond all that you think and feel and believe, all the instincts that you have in yourself, and truly seek peace for others, with others, and with God. Happy are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. Let's pray. Lord, in a world full of turmoil and anger and frustration, in a world full of war, you've called us to be peace. You've called us to bring peace. You've called us to pursue peace, to build peace. God, that's such a hard lesson to learn. And it's such a difficult lesson to live. God, it goes against our instincts completely. Yet, it's still there. That call is still there. Lord, I, so many times we, we make snap decisions and, and they just last for a little while. But God, I pray that the truth of this teaching will sit on us, will sit heavy on us, will force us to take time to think about it, to consider it, to try to understand what it means to be a true peacemaker of yours. And God, maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to get beyond our issues and our struggles and ourselves and begin to build peace between others and peace between others and you. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to reach others with your gospel and build the kingdom. Father, thank you so much for being the father that we all need. Thank you for the father that you've given to me in my life. And thank you for blessing me in being a father. Lord, I pray that the rest of this day will celebrate in some way for some reason. And God, may we honor you in all that we do. Bless us as we go from this place. Bless those who are away celebrating their dads today. God, give them a special blessing today. And would you bring us back together as a church, worshiping and celebrating you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. Dismiss us with your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen.